Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, the recording does link out a little bit at the beginning, but when it gets better, Jack Norman answers questions about his acting career, probably being rude on commercials, and the weird smells of fictional places. <laughs> Jack, I haven't seen you in many years, um, and I always, uh, I, I love following your social media. It's very high energy, and uh, I was watching some of your YouTube, I think it was either on YouTube or your Facebook, somewhere, but there were a lot of videos on, and uh, you posted a lot of videos, and I'm watching it, and I'm just like, damn, I don't even know how to have that kind of energy. Whenever I think about acting, it intimidates me, not the audience, just the idea of keeping the character the whole time. <laughs> How? Yeah, man. I it's uh it's uh it's so funny. It's just something that comes naturally to me. I I'm usually now as I'm getting older and I'm doing acting things, I'm trying to tone it down, bring it bring it down, you know, because I'm usually so high energy. Yeah, it's just natural. And also, if I'm especially if I'm on stage, it's even more energy like i'm jumping all around it's, i think it's just excitement for the game of it you know <laughs> it's the adrenaline that just fuels you yeah i mean it's uh it's I, i'm pretty it's interesting you know especially with a pandemic and everything i realized i'm a pretty introverted guy as i'm performing and then it goes from like zero to 60 pretty quickly i <laughs> I found out what now I don't think it was the pandemic that showed me this the pandemic just helped me realize this is that I'm also pretty introverted um and every time oh nowadays when I go outside or do anything I'm just like all right cool well then uh the next day I'm going to stay away from everyone I want to stay in my little cave and hide um knowing that I was going to do this interview yesterday I stayed in my cave and hide I hid I didn't do anything <laughs> like I know that tomorrow I'm going to need energy so I will rest today. Um, but you got into acting. What is your acting history? Uh, acting history, uh, you know, I wanted to act ever since I was a little kid. I think like a lot of little kids, you see, you know, movies and you see Batman and, and you just want to do that. So it really stemmed from that. But then I was a pretty shy middle school, like, announcement. Uh, and it was for some sort of like acting club or something. I remember there was a after school and I was like, ah. as a very little kid, you know, in a suburb of Los Angeles, that something. And, and you know, she would, she would tell me when I was a little kid, like, I'm not went to like Aston Call. <laughs> and I got to meet Lark Voorhees. Who's uh, Lisa Turtle from Safe by the Bell? Because <laughs> she was at whatever this casting event was, and I was just like so caught up in all of it. Yeah, and I was about eight. My mom told me she's like, "Look, I'm not gonna be driving back and forth to LA for you to like do these auditions. So that's something you're gonna have to do when you're older." So there's always been kind of a a, a love affair with it. And then yeah, in middle school, I heard that announcement, not really knowing what it was, and I did this uh, audition and I got picked. And all of a sudden now I was in this middle school improv group and that's where I first learned like improv and all the like very 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 basic level um stage presence and all that kind of stuff uh, on stage and that club culminated in a competition uh, at the end of the year with all these other schools that are running the program that program was called destination imagination and uh, I was in that for like all throughout middle school um and then I uh, <laughs> I didn't get along with my high school drama teacher, so I never did any drama in high school. <laughs> I have a whole theory behind this, but that's, like, I don't know. Uh, and then I ended up working at Disney doing, like, performance uh, type stuff. And then I um, got fired from Disney. I ended up working at a movie theater, which is where our, cross, our paths crossed. And um, while I was working in the movie theaters, when I started doing like stand up and then uh, sketch and different stuff like that, and uh, slowly making my way to the uh, L.A. Uh, stand up and sketch and improv scene. And that's where I kind of 
really started to lean into uh, performance and everything and started meeting a whole bunch, making you know, all these connections. And that's where I started getting paid eventually for acting was all through all those venues. So that's kind of like the, uh, the brief history. <laughs> I, I always appreciate improv. Um, well, I'm, I'm always amazed by improv, improv actors. They're phenomenal and fantastic. And I don't know how. Um, however, I do, I did do theater in high school and I've always loved the idea of improv whenever you're having a co any kind of conversation. Oh, um, yeah. I feel like the yes and mentality is a good way to talk to anyone because a lot of times when someone makes a joke, instead of, instead of like shooting the joke down, it's a lot more fun to expand on it. Yes, 100%. I think all of the improv I recommend for anybody, uh, honestly, no matter what the age group is, no matter what your career aspirations are, whether it be entertainment or anything, because I think it gives you such great people skills Especially if you are kind of shy, it gives you a good um, like groundwork to keep any conversation going, you know. And it's uh, very and how to like you know not be intimidated by the stakes, <laughs> whatever they may be, you know. Um, so yeah, definitely, I think the yes and 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 the what we call like bit mentality, like is this a bit, you know? <laughs> you can get caught up in a bit in a heartbeat and maybe not know it if you're untrained, if you're not knowing what to look for. <laughs> I actually, uh, I feel like bits. Uh, I feel like that's my that's my test for friendship. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. That if I can get into a bit with someone, I'm like, all right, cool. All right, they're good. I want I want to keep them. I want to keep them as a friend because I feel like uh, that was where I was. That's where I became such a big fan of you was because I think we were at a party and we did a bit. We did a, a bit from, uh, what's that called? The uh, movie was Walk Hard or, I think it was Walk Hard. <laughs> was it the, um, you don't want no part of this? Was that? Yeah. Was it that? <laughs> it was that bit. And I remember that very fondly and I'm like, all right, cool, you're good. So a lot of times if someone says a line and so, there, there have been moments where I've said a line and people don't know where the movie comes from and I'm like, oh crap, am I getting old? Uh, so when someone knows the line and then continues the, the scene, continues the bit, I'm like, all right, cool. We're good. We're good. I'm not old. Oh, yeah. We're good friends. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not old. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know if you could take that as not getting old. I've been feeling so old recently <laughs> with, with the very references that I have. It's like, especially I work with a lot of younger people and you'll say a reference and it just goes right over their heads. And you're like, what? Um, Roblox? I don't know. <laughs> what, what are kids like? <laughs> um, for my favorite example of like getting shot down was uh, someone made a clerk's reference. They said, uh, "I'm not even supposed to be here today," and I was like, "Ah, oh, what smells like shoe polish?" And they're like, "Well, I mean, I opened a new thing." I'm like, "Damn it, no, the like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no." Yeah, you brought you brought up the movie. I'm just I'm just returning the favor. Damn it. Yeah, I was I was doing the yes and to your initiation. You know what? Forget it. <laughs> but like in yes and in conversation, if someone says to me like uh if someone makes a joke saying that, oh, you know, were you in a bar fight? I'll add to that. I'll be like, all right, cool. I'll accept the fact that I was in a bar fight and make some joke with that. Um as opposed to someone saying, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I I try to stay away from any kind of uh, violent confrontation. <laughs> it's like, no, wait, never mind. Yeah, my go-to, if I was in a bar fight, somebody says, oh, you were in a bar fight. I was like, yeah, I almost lost an eye. Or you just straight up say, yeah, and this eye is the glass one, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> really just lay it on, you know. Speaking of improv, uh, what has been one of your favorite moments doing improv? Oh man, that it's so hard to choose, you know. Um, so many shows, and that's not like even a, a bragging thing. Most of these shows are unpaid, so it's not like uh, very glamorous. But I have done so. Many. Um, you know, the one that's coming to my head right now is I was with on this team called the Quickness, and we did uh, improvised rapping on stage and uh, i know it's christmas time for those of you like listen i don't know when this comes out but this is not 
Christmas present wrapping. This is like hip hop wrapping. And we're making it up. And the whole show is nonstop wrapping. So it's not like we ever break form to just have a regular conversation that doesn't rhyme. So pretty much everything is like a rhyme couplet or setting up another person for a rhyme or something like that. So it's kind of difficult. And you're trying to do like actual improv scenes with comedy, you know, um, with some sort of structure of heightening the crazy element and all the comedy rules. So it's very difficult to do. And this show was at uh, UCB Franklin, um, which is my favorite venue to do improv at because it's kind of a smaller stage. I mean, UCB is kind of legendary. This was the original LA location. As a matter of fact, after post COVID, their sunset location has since closed. Rest in peace, uh, UCB Sunset. Um, but yeah, this is the original location. And um, this was a show called Cage Match. And uh, Cage Match is usually reserved for uh, some of the better performers. And the audience votes if you win. They put like two teams up against each other. They both perform at the end, the audience, you know, by a show of applause, who wins? And we were playing some, you know, uh, amazing i don't know if you're familiar with mary holland but it's mary holland and holly laurent and they have a team and it was uh, my team against their team and um we ended up losing but <laughs> the show was so crazy and the other team wrapped with us in the final jam and just that audience was was so hyped and we were so close to winning and we were like a little newbie rookie team at the time so we didn't expect to win but the audience was so gracious and we got such big laughs. Oh my gosh. Um, the energy was palpable as they say. And for a solid like three hours after the show, I was still buzzing like I couldn't sleep. That show's pretty late too. That show doesn't even start till like 11. And so it's like two in the morning and I'm like, what's the next thing to do? <laughs> I was like so hyped. Um, yeah, it's at that same stage. I, we also made up a song based off an audience suggestion. Um, one person in the audience said, and I kid you not, laser tits. And so we made a whole rap song based off of laser tits off the dome. And it was very, very uh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like my favorite, I don't know, long-winded answer. That's my favorite time doing improv on stage. Long-winded is perfectly fine. We're on a podcast and I want to know more about that experience because that's ex that. Everything you added onto the list, you're like, oh, yeah, it's a cage match. All right, cool. I don't like cage matches. I don't like being versus anyone. Yeah, it's going to wrap all the time. I was like, fuck that. Uh, <laughs> I can't make a rhyme on the spot. I like I like rhyming, but on the spot, nope, no, thank you. And then you're like, oh, and we have to be funny still. I'm like, nope, I'm out. Done. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and you're funny. And there's a lot of pressure because it's like a a big moment and uh you know getting the opportunity to be asked to do that show in itself is a pretty big deal so it's like choke down the nerves and hopefully you say something funny <laughs> you, know? you said you lost but i don't think you did yeah yeah i i feel like we because we also we, we got asked to come back and the second time we came back we won and i don't know i i just i like that show less because i think the performance was better the first time we're just kind of going up against some monsters it's like a really really good you know two-man group but it, you're going up against kobe and jordan so you're like i'm gonna lose but it was a fun game you know that's what it felt like um but yeah the second we ended up being, uh, the first performance was better <laughs> Well, be, being just invited to, like, uh, such an event, I think that's a win. That's a major oh, yeah. Yeah, that felt good. Just to uh, just to put on social media that we were going felt like a, a big flex. <laughs> it felt pretty cool. Because um, especially when, like, I'm, I'm a big nerd for this stuff, so I would go to these events. And so then to be asked to be at it, you know, on the performing side – is so cool it's you know super nerdy i don't know <laughs> ha having the ability having the because like you know you said that being invited is not a laughing matter. well not laughing matter that's really ridiculous but <laughs> anyway it's nothing <laughs> you have the tools you have the resources you have the ability to get invited that's pretty impressive yeah yeah well thank you i appreciate that i mean it was 
you know, it's definitely on my list of accomplishments, you know. Uh, I don't know if I'll tell the grandkids about it. I'll have too many follow-up uh, questions. <laughs> What's improv? You know, <laughs> all of these things. What's Los Angeles? I imagine we'll be living, you know, far away from California at that time. They'll be like, uh, I'll, I'll be in my late 50s. <laughs> they'll be like, wait, people got together close by? Uh, isn't COVID variant blah, blah, blah uh, still around? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, variant Zeta or whatever. At the time. <laughs> COVID, uh, what, Delta variant uh, number 55? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, special edition, limited edition. <laughs> Delta harder. Uh <laughs> The reboot, COVID, yeah. the reboot. <laughs> oh, COVID reboot's gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's never as good as the original for sure. <laughs> why did why did they recast Fauci? Why did they make him sexier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like distracting now how sexy Fauci is. <laughs> I mean, he was sexy originally, but Jesus, come on. <laughs> yeah. They outdid themselves. I can barely focus on the dialogue now. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in a bunch of commercials, and I saw that on your reel. And I remember on your Instagram, you posted about being in a commercial. And I actually saw one of your commercials in real life. Oh, you did? I remember I was watching YouTube, and uh, they showed an ad. And I remember just because, like, usually uh, I'm drawing whenever I'm watching anything on YouTube, and I'll notice that the audio changes when a commercial comes up. And so I looked up, and there you were, and I was like, oh, shit. And I couldn't, like, take a photo or anything. I just got to enjoy the moment of seeing you on TV. (laughs) I love it. That's so cool, man. I mean, it's it's still cool for me. And especially when I do a commercial and then I get pictures like, is this you? People unsure. Because sometimes I'm not super prominent in in the commercials. So I'm just like a little tiny piece in the corner. And I get like a little fuzzy screenshot. Is this you? I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> it's still exciting for me too, for sure. What is it like to film a commercial? Oh man, it's it's really cool. Um, it, you know, I, I will say being, um, there's levels to it, like many things. And when any commercial time is fun, I think. Uh, the process of being on a set is fun. Commercials are usually so... Uh, specific sometimes when you're doing uh, scripted things like um, more narrative projects you're not trying to sell a product Um, there's time that I've experienced where people are trying to find it trying to find a rhythm or trying to um, you know kind of find out what a scene means or something but commercials because they are have such a specific budget usually they're so planned out they know exactly what they want so the days are so efficient, if that makes sense. Um, there's sometimes, I mean, with any set day, you're waiting around kind of a lot until it's showtime. Um, I heard somebody say, like, yeah, you get paid to wait around. <laughs> you know, that's really what they pay you to do, not for the fun acting, quote unquote, acting parts. And uh, commercials in, involve a lot of uh, reactions, right? That, that's like, a, I mean, I guess all acting is reactions, but usually you're like surprised by something or you're really pleased by something or you're unsure of something. That's usually you know, all the commercial stuff. So you get to be a little bit more, um, it's a little more carefree, I think, on a commercial set. And depending on how big the budget is for the commercial, you, you usually get some pretty good snacks, like either the food, the meals are big and, and nice or uh, like the crafty, table you know like where the in-between shots where people go to get snacks and stuff for anybody listening who doesn't who's unfamiliar with craft services like uh, they give you all these free snacks and that's uh unabashedly it's my favorite part is uh going and seeing what snacks they have uh, i usually will get a sparkling water uh and i love these little uh waffle cookies those little stroop waffles so that's a good day on set for me is if i can get sparkling water and a stroop waffle and when I'm uh, in between shooting, that's a good that's a good commercial. <laughs> um, but my 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 first commercial I ever shot was uh, this Heineken commercial, and it was a French production, and they had every snack imaginable at Crafty, um, and their food was just phenomenal. And I don't know if it's been ever that good since. 
but it was, I mean, it's been good since, but they had like, you had your choice of, and I kid you not, like of like prime rib, they had like a chicken dish, they had a fish option and everything, you know, is unlimited. And also at the time I was like on a pretty strict diet, so I couldn't eat as much as I wanted, but man, I'm a sucker for good food, Jimmy. <laughs> I guess all that to say, yeah, my, uh, my favorite part about doing commercials is the uh, free food. <laughs> what, what are these waffle cookies that you're talking about? Oh man, they're so good. I mean, you can, they're not exclusively on uh, production sets, but they're just like, they have a thin, there's these thin little waffles and like really, really thin. And then they have a thin layer of caramel in between them. And uh, so you bite, it's kind of crispy and chewy with each bite. And um, yeah, I think they're called Stroop waffles, S-T-R-O-O-P. Uh, not to be confused with strep. I keep thinking strep throat, but no, these are a delicious treat and not a horrible uh, sickness. So, <laughs> um, but if you have not had them, I highly recommend them. Yeah. I know how you feel about food. I do. <laughs> But I feel like I don't want any like producer to know that you're like, oh, the best thing about it is the food. You don't have to pay me. Just get a good spread of food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully there's a paycheck, too, you know. But let's be real. A day where you don't have to pay for your own food is a glorious day. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> I've done a lot of jobs. Like, uh, I remember there was, a, uh, there, was a cupcake, there was a cupcake restaurant, and they asked me to do artwork for them. And they're like, how much, how much do you charge? And I'm like, uh, well, see, I like cupcakes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. If we could just make a deal where I could get a free cupcake anytime I come in, I'm fine. <laughs> Yo, I mean, real talk, though, that is the better deal. I 100%. That any time you come in. Oh my god, especially if you live in the vicinity of this place, like that's the better deal. That's thinking long term. That's how I felt. I've also done that with a pizza shop too where I'm like, just give me free pizza. <laughs> yeah. That's the better deal. I mean, bills are cool, but I love pizza. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I I wanted to uh this is a slight deviation from the conversation, but I wanted to um there's a brand out there of like drinks, like quote unquote health beverages called a uh, rebel. Have you heard of this? I think they're called, I think they're spell it R E B B L and no E after. I think that's how they spell it. Anyway, I love these drinks. Sometimes they're like $6 a bottle. They get kind of pricey. Um, and I want to be sponsored by them so bad. Like I would do pretty much anything for them. If they just, I just get a box shipped to my house once a month. We could just wipe our hands. We don't have to worry about taxes or payment. Just in the books somewhere, make a box of that stuff. <laughs> Go to my house once a month. You know, <laughs> that's really what I want. <laughs> that would be the absolute dream, and I, I don't think that that, I don't think that that mentality is gonna is is too successful. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean it's true. I mean I don't know. It's like, I don't know, don't give me an Oscar, don't, and I don't need an Academy Award or Golden Globes. Box whatever the product is. <laughs> and I agree with you. I'm not going to fight that because I would love free stuff that I already want. <laughs> yeah, man. Definitely. Like, when I, when I was working for this company, uh, the, the like media company, uh, I don't get sent now I get sent like trailers. It's a little bit of a different situation, but since they were a direct outlet and I did like reviews and I did interviews for them, um, I would get sent the screeners. Um, man, I love that. I love that. I love getting sent screeners for movies ahead of time. There's just something, I know we, we also share that we both love movies. Um, it's like the access, the early access is it's like, Oh yeah. Give me more of that. <laughs> I know a friend who got uh, into the Spider-Verse as a screener. Um, yeah. And I remember uh, I remember, I went to his house and he's like, hey, you want to watch Into the Spider-Verse? I was like, I don't really want to go. And this is before the pandemic. But he's like, 
do you want to watch Into the Spider-Verse? And I was like, uh, I don't really want to go to the theater right now. And he's like, well, I have it. I'm like, how? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's a screener. I'm like, well, then, yes. Yes. Let's let's do that. Let's watch it right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something magical. One of my friends, I won't say who to protect their identity. Of course. One of my friends got sent uh, Matrix Resurrection. And, uh, man... I've bullied him so much to try to let him give me, <laughs> either invite me over or to give me that copy. Just come on. You've seen it. Send it my way. But now it's going to be open like what, next week? But he's had it for almost a month. And I'm like, come on, man. And why did, why did your friend invite you over? Uh, I think because they hate me. I'm oh. assuming that could be the only reason. <laughs> that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I did threaten their entire family if they didn't show me, so that might have something to do with it. I don't know. Who's keeping tab, you know? No, I think that's a fair I think that's a fair trade. If they don't invite <laughs> you over to watch Matrix, threaten the family. I don't see anything wrong with this. No one <laughs> does. Everybody likes the Matrix. Come on. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't know if everyone does. Um I I don't know I don't know if they waited too long because I'm I'm curious to see, because, like, okay, Anchorman, when Anchorman had uh, its sequel, I yeah. loved it because I loved the first one. But I was like, are younger audiences ready for this? Not ready for yeah. this. Is the humor still there? Because humor evolves, right. uh, storytelling evolves throughout time. And I feel like The Matrix might be trying to grasp at something that's no longer there. Wow. I mean, I don't think that you're wrong. Um, and I will say for the record, uh, I don't know if this movie is going to be good, but I do want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But cause I think your those concerns that you brought up are so valid. Is this still relevant and how do you, is it going to feel forced to try to make it relevant? Cause we've come so much further than the world of the internet via 1999. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's such a fair point. I, I feel like because like back then they had to find uh, they, they had to find pay folks to get out of the matrix. Right. Yeah. I guess they'll never get out of the matrix <laughs> these days. Yeah. Where would you even find a payphone? Even out here, like in L.A., there's spots where you could see where payphones used to be. Even sometimes like little booths that still say phone on it. But then you go and, and you look inside and there's no phone there. So it's uh. You, a lot of agents would be coming up uh, as as heroes <laughs> in this post uh, payphone world. <laughs> and I feel also back when the Matrix came out, we weren't in a pandemic. Um, I feel like now while we're in a pandemic, everyone would take the robots offer of being inside the Matrix so we could hang out with people and eat glorious food. I remember yeah. I remember the character. He's like, uh, you know, I don't even know the taste of steak because I'm just eating stuff that you gave me. I'm like, yeah, deal. I don't, I don't need, a, I don't need a real world. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how my world works now. I don't know how most of these things get done in the world. They're not have, like trash. How does trash work? I don't know. I line my little uh, rectangle <laughs> in my house. I take out that trash. I put it in a bigger, blacker rectangle outside. A big smelly vehicle comes and takes it away from me and i do the whole thing again next week i don't know where that trash goes i don't know how much those people get paid i don't think about it as soon as it's gone <laughs> that's the matrix that i want <laughs> and, I, and i think that's funny because i i know exactly how you feel because and and i keep thinking about that whenever i see uh anti-vaxxers post online that we don't know what's in the vaccine i'm like do you know what's in anything yeah, no. The answer is no. Nobody knows how most things work. And it's okay. I don't blame people. That's not how our society is built. Our society is built to like know your one or two things pretty well and we will not bug you about all this other stuff. Well, my issue is that the information is out there that you could find out everything about your trash can. You could find out everything <laughs> inside your uh rebel drink. However, yeah. <laughs> When you look at the ingredients, as someone who's not into food development or energy drink 
uh, inventing, I guess, um, you're going to look at those words and like, cool, those are letters. I see some vowels. I know those yeah, vowels. I know <laughs> a couple of vowels in there. <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. There's a lot of stuff that I eat that if I read it, I'm not a scientist. I don't know ingredients, so I'm not going to know what I'm looking at. I know scientists that do, that can look at ingredients and be like, oh yeah, that's, and then they list a bunch of syllables. I'm like, that's fantastic. <laughs> right? They really look like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> and I think about that, like, yeah, I'd totally take the Matrix any day. Because <laughs> 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 no offense, but that huge underground orgy that they showed us in, uh, what is that? Matrix 2, Reloaded. No thanks. I'm not this, if this is what the real world is, yeah, again, I'll take the matrix. You know, ignorance is bliss. That's what I think that's what he says. I'm, I'm so about that. Give me the ignorance and give me that steak. That looks delicious. Yeah, the orgy, <laughs> the orgy rave, they're, it, they're in a cave. So that's yeah. what I, I refuse to believe that anyone who wasn't at the orgy uh, had a quiet night's sleep. No one, yeah. everyone could hear everything. And not to be like a a stickler or you know a buzzkill but i didn't see any protection being thrown around at that orgy rave i don't know how safe that is uh how clean that is if you know what i mean i don't know <laughs> back to the commercial <laughs> oh yes sorry yes <laughs> no no you're good with tangents you're fine with tangents in fact i love tangents and i love coming back because it's a really weird moment of like all right now that we talked about unsafe sex in the real world versus the matrix <laughs> um they need antivirus protection in the real world <laughs> oh yeah yeah exactly um back to the commercial so i saw a commercial uh because i was looking through all your stuff and <laughs> um one of them was a commercial where it said uh it, it was all about no flashes no flash when you're taking a photo yeah and oh yeah it, it, you're at a like a concert and you use the flash in your phone to blind a musician and i'm just like that's such a weird few seconds that they had to film like they set up everything around you just so you can look back at everyone and smile and i'm like that's weird <laughs> oh man yeah it's that was bizarre because you know that uh, <clears throat> that's a fun one that you brought up actually that's really cool because that was a fun audition process that um because what i did on the commercial day wasn't it wasn't the script but it also like wasn't in the script so when they had me audition they told me the scenario and they're like you know just pretend that you know you're jamming out to this band and um you're taking a flash but you don't realize that your flash is distracting right i think that was the note and so you know me being a ham my whole take on it was that I was super excited. Like, I just felt like I was getting the best shot ever. And I'm, like, looking behind me, like, pretty sweet shot, huh? Like, just a complete irony of, like, no, dude, you're ruining this whole thing. And this guy's, like, oblivious that he's ruining. And I, they really liked my take. And it's interesting. Sometimes with these auditions, you can tell, like, that they like you. Um, yeah, so that I got the callback. <clears throat> and in the callback they actually had a setup where it was four people in the room and an actual guitarist. Um, so I guess there were five people in the room. It was like four chairs and then the guitarist. And they had people switch out doing the role, holding the cell phone and like and taking pictures of the actual guitarist and like turning back to the group. And I, yeah, I did what I did the first time at the audition. Cause again, for people who aren't familiar with how the commercials work, usually there's an audition. And then if they like you, they'll call you back and you have what they call a callback. And typically if they like you in the callback, uh, then you can go on what they call a veil, which they're just trying to make sure that the client likes you, the client being whoever's paying for the commercial, they have to give the final say like, hey, this dude here, is he cool? And they pair you up with whoever you're gonna be with in the commercial so that way they, that your all of your looks get approved. And uh, so on the callback, they had me stay in the room uh, for like four rounds. And I was like, that's a good sign. <laughs> so, and I just did that same thing. Anyway, I say all that to say like, okay, so I'm thinking by the time I get on the commercial set, I'm just going to do what I did in the audition, right? That same thing. That's what you would think. But they had me not hold the cell phone on the day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I was like a little like, 
crestfallen a little bit. Like, oh, I thought I was going to, like, you know, again, if you get featured in a commercial, that could be a different pay bump and so on and so forth. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll just be, like, in the background of this one. Oh, well. Uh, but I just, I assumed that they liked me so much. Anyway, they had some, like, a, a woman do the picture thing, and she had to have this whole setup because it was, like, a, what they called, I don't know, it was pretty much a prop phone, but they, the flash was these like system of LED lights that had to be hidden in the jacket. So yeah, this thing that's like so simple had this kind of elaborate setup. And I was like, okay, well, at least I don't have to wear this like whole rig on my arm. <laughs> but then fast forward to, we do a few takes with this woman holding the phone and then there's all this commotion, blah, blah, blah. blah. Then they come to me and then they ask me to do that scene, like to do the, to hold the phone with the camera flash and everything. I was like, oh, yay, okay, I do get to do it. I felt kind of bad for the woman. I was like, I'm sorry, you're no longer going to be featured, but I don't know what you did in your audition, but this is what I did in my audition. <laughs> this is what I expected to do. And so, yeah, then they, they gave me, they had to change my wardrobe, which was like a big deal. It's so much hoopla, like you were saying, to like, for something that's relatively simple. So anyways, that whole scene, oh, man, that's a, that was a whole day of shooting for me like a whole day for that whatever seconds that I, that that was yeah and it's so funny so i freeze frame that i think i put this on my social media at the time cuz it felt like the end of a seinfeld episode to me so i turn and then i put that bam and like created by larry david or whatever over i made that little like scene <laughs> cuz i thought it was so funny um but yeah that whole thing so i have a fake camera phone with all these like extra lights in the back so that way it looked like there was like tons of light flooding the um uh guitar player the guitar player was a real guitar player who didn't really get to play on set you never hear him in the commercial obviously but he's done music for commercials like behind the scenes and all this stuff really talented dude and then peter um so i spent a lot of time with peter Peter had to keep getting this light flashed in his face. Um, yeah, that was such an interesting day. There was a dude there too that I met named Joe who kept falling asleep because um, you know he he was just kind of in the background, and I don't even think you could see him on camera, but he would be in the background just kind of nodding off, and I would just kept like Joe, <clears throat> Joe, like <laughs> trying to wake him up. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. Anyways, uh, again, I'm really good at tangents, but yeah, that was a a whole a whole day on set um, for seconds, and that's often the work. I think that's with any production, but especially with commercials, you could be there so long for so little. Because <laughs> I was I was analyzing the hell out of that, and that's why I really want to ask you about commercials because. That was just a split second, but I was thinking yeah. about all the work that was needed to make that split second. <laughs> yeah, it's um, there's a we rented out this spot in uh, what, what, oh, what neighborhood is that? It's like kind of by Hollywood, kind of Hollywood and Silver Lake, I guess. It's a, a bar called the Virgil, and that was shot in the Virgil for anybody who's like LA based. <laughs> so that was kind of cool too because i've i've been at that venue and watched people do stand-up i've watched bands play so it was kind of neat to shoot something there i felt uh officially la at that point <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that we're recording this uh during christmas time which we are however this will be coming out uh january 7th i believe oh nice okay I hope I got my calendar right because this this next part would be really weird if it's not <laughs> that day. Um, I guess it's weird even if it is that day now I think about. But January seventh is a uh, um, I think it's national. It's a national. Or it's global. I think it's national. National uh, Pass Gas Day. Oh wow. Yeah, which was weird because I looked up I, I looked up National Pass Gas Day and then I looked up Fart Day and there's a bunch of flagellant days. <laughs> where I think the world can't agree on which day they all want to have flatulence. Um, it's strange. <laughs> and smelly, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who decides days, and I don't know why the world can't agree on this one thing that's this day. It's silly. It's weird. <laughs> and 
I see that a lot because like when I'm doing the podcast, when I'm thinking about the questions for the podcast, a lot of times I look for silly holidays and then I find a website and then I have to go verify it because I don't want that. I don't want to just leave that website, you know? I mean, you could be getting people. What if people start going out there thinking that it's one day they start going out there publicly farting, then they look stupid. They're like, no, dude, fart day is March 28th. What are you thinking? <laughs> right. I don't want to give people that kind of embarrassment of farting on the wrong day. <laughs> yeah, I completely hear you. <laughs> what movie soundtrack would you want your farts to sound like? Yeah, that's funny. I, I, um, not to ruin the magic, but you, you sent me that this would be a possible question. And I laughed out loud when I read this one because not that I have even thought of this before. But I had an answer immediately uh, as to what the soundtrack would be. I think it would be um, like a Hans Zimmer Inception type of deal. I just feel like that boom, 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 you know, something that you just kind of, you feel more so than here. <laughs> <laughs> Inception would make more sense uh, because if it, I mean, if you did the Wonder Woman soundtrack, that'd be weird and. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's like a little too conspicuous. You know, it's like a little too much. <laughs> um, and I, I actually think about this question a lot throughout my day because, like, uh, <laughs> I always think about uh, Return of the Jedi. When mm -hmm. they have that moment where um, they're about to, they're at Jabba the Hutt's place, and they have that moment where Luke nods at R two D two, and that nod makes me think of farting because <laughs> you you have the music and it's like dun 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can't unsee it. I don't know. There was like something that there was a joke that I had in my mind. And now whenever I watch Star Wars or see that scene, I think of farting. <laughs> I love it. I mean, to be fair, um, I'm not sure how Jabba's uh, gastrointestinal tract works, but that place can't smell pleasant. You know, I'm just, I think, I think that's fair to say. And I feel like they missed an opportunity there because I, I refuse to believe that his lair. You're right. I refuse to believe that it smells good. That it no. can't. No way. No way. That guy. I mean, also, you don't see him moving a lot. Where's his bathroom? What? How does that work? Uh, what is that stuff he's like smoking on? Like it can't be good for. I'm just. It's probably all just bad. And they, they, they sleep all together at the same place, and it's yeah. in the desert of Tatooine. <laughs> and they're, they're sleeping on top of a rain, a rain, rain corp? Uh, rain yeah. corp, that's it. They're sleeping on this pit, and they send people down there to get eaten. So there's corpse, there, there's just rotting flesh underneath them. Fuck. <laughs> this yeah. is opening my eyes I... and nose <laughs> to the horrors of Jabba the Hutt's palace. Yeah, you know, I never thought about that. You're absolutely right. They send so many people. They try to kill Luke down there. And there's clearly there's all kinds of, yeah, remnants, that things that he doesn't eat, the waste that that thing makes when it does eat, like what's the maintenance? Yeah, it's, wow. It's probably unbearable. Poor Leia, right? And I think that Leia might be the one, like I know her outfit is not comfortable. However, thinking of how disgusting and hot and sweaty that place is, she's yeah. probably most comfortable because she's wearing the least clothing. The only one who wears least clothing, less clothing, is Jabba. Jabba's just naked. <laughs> so gross. Oh, that's gross. This is this is definitely gross. I'm, I, keep, I keep thinking about all of the uh, elements that make this scene gross, more gross than it already was. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like that was I, fat. What's he, what he's going to have to do in this new show, the first, the whole first episode is just him and Finnick scrubbing the walls. It's just getting some of the smell out of there. <laughs> I could just start see her being like, uh, so what's the first uh, job? And he's like, we are going to clean the yeah. shit place. <laughs>
to like, oh, we're not going to do anything criminal activities. Like, no, the criminal activity is leaving this place. Yeah. Smell like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not keeping this mask on because I'm a man, Lauren. I'm keeping this mask on because I can't stand the smell. <laughs> yeah, this is the one layer of protection I have against the smell. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So, <laughs> yuck. <laughs> it is so funny to me. It's so real, too. Oh, man. I think that even, I feel like most of the characters, when they walked into Jabba's place, they were wearing masks. And now I don't think it was just to hide. I don't think, because, like, Leia had a mask on. Uh, Lando had a mask on. <laughs> they needed those masks. <laughs> they needed, yeah. <laughs> to try not to pass out. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think that anyone there would have recognized them without the mask. I don't think that Jabba the Hutt's like, I don't think that Jabba's like, oh, it's Princess Leia. I know that face. I'm very familiar with uh, with Alderaan's royalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> And I was worried when I asked this question about <laughs> fart soundtracks that it's going to be completely something like I feel like Hans Zimmer makes the most sense. That's a that's a natural smelling that's a natural not smelling natural fart. And I was thinking of like what would be a movie that would just be you need to go see a doctor kind of soundtrack. <laughs> oh man. Oh oh. Wow, that's a good question. You know I mean. The the like main title theme for Star Wars is alarming, right? That especially the initial build up. Like that whole part is like, oh, are you okay, bro? <laughs> I, I'm gonna see that and I'm gonna raise you. I think the end credits would be worse. Oh yeah. <laughs> Like right after the throne room, throne room and bam, 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 like right in there. <laughs> yeah, because the end credits they they go real hard, real fast. Because like the beginning, I can see that as being natural sounding. The like you said, you have the ba and you have a whole happenstance as far as like a lot of like big beats. But dude. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> what a funny question. <laughs> oh, I love it. But, oh I mean, gosh. I was thinking that if, it, if, if your farts sound like the diva from Fifth Element, you should go see a doctor. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that is so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Because at first, it's just really slow and operatic. I'm like, all right, cool, that could that could happen, you know, whatever. But then she gets into multiple tones, like going. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh man. You also do. You also have hosted stuff, and I've seen you do a lot of interviews with celebrities. Yes. Uh, yes. And I've seen. I've got friends who have done that, doing interviews. Um, what is the process of getting ready to do an interview? Like, do you do a lot of research of the content or the past experiences or what? Yeah, that's a good, it's a good question. I, um, so for my, where I worked, where I did most of my interviews was for this company that focused on like superhero news, comic book, pop culture stuff. So, I mean, right, right up both of our alleys. So my producer would make sure that my questions some every now and then I would have uh, I'd have to ask a question that like I was especially if I was interviewing multiple people from the same movie <clears throat> so I had to ask for example for um Baywatch a question that I did not write was that that I had to ask for so they could edit together a clip you know and it was um who was your onset day um, and now, full disclosure, a question like that makes me cringe. I don't really like that. Uh, but because it was Baywatch, who's your onset, Bay, they wanted that clip. They wanted to string together those clips. 
So in that instance, if they give me something that I know is probably going to be pretty goofy to say, I then try to write a palpable intro to it, like something that kind of uh, uh, pal- palpable is not the right word, but like a, a you know me trying to acknowledge that this question is a little goofy, but let's have fun with it, like a way to introduce that so I don't look like a complete jackass. Is the um, word palatable? I think it's palatable. palatable. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Like a palatable. Thank you. Yeah. A palatable transition. Something that makes it, you know, less like, uh, really, dude. Um, and then, yeah, I tried to uh, go into like, you know, the best guy ever or one of the best interviewers ever is uh, Narwhal. Are you familiar with him? Um, he interviews a lot of musicians and I don't know what he does to find his info, but he has this amazing way of, I, yeah, you should look up some clips of him interviewing people, especially he interviews a lot of like rappers and he knows just things about them. He gives them like gifts, right? And these gifts are really like the deepest of deep cuts on their like personal histories or projects that they did that they never even released. He just is so good at doing his research. So yeah, I would try to find something that I, would um that would like shock and surprise the the person that i'm interviewing right and all this is tough because with those junkets you have five minutes and your time goes no matter what so if you're the person you're interviewing is talking to their publicist or they're on their phone and they've started that clock the clock has started already you know what i mean there's no like going back and that happened from time to time. And then I, then you could see, too, from the interviewer's side, you can see which of the um, actors that you're interviewing. How do I put this? You can, in my eyes, it was like you could tell what level of professionalism they're at because the ones who treated me very, very well were the George Clooney's, were the Ryan Reynolds, were these people who were so classy already like they're professional actors they're not going to waste any time and the lower level people kind of played more games if that makes sense and like i wasn't really even a person i was just kind of there and you can easily see how people can just be a number that is something that i before i'm you know in the grave uh or out of the business completely i would love to be a part of a press junket so that way i could be on the other side of it and i just want to give attention to those people um but yeah, so it's like, make sure everything's in five minutes, try to capture something that's going to be their attention. And then whatever, you know, company you're working for, make sure to give them things that they can edit together. That, those are like the, if you can do all of that and try to keep of your, some of your own personality in there, that is the perfect cocktail of those, of those interviews. Um, but yeah, just keep it short and sweet. What, I, what I've seen that I do not like is too much enthusiasm and there's some people that are great they're they're great with that there's this guy there's various guys there's a guy out of texas um his name his name is escaping me right now but he's like fox's movie guy fox's junket guy and has been for about a decade and the, a lot of these people i met doing this stuff when they would fly me out to places really nice guys but there's something about the enthusiasm I'm like, oh, you know what? I want to take it down. There's also guys that I met, like a George Panacchio. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Now, this guy's professional on a different level. Does not have that enthusiasm. He's so, like, kind of straight and to the point, like he's old friends with these guys. And that's kind of, I tried to steal that from him. Was like, even though I haven't, I'm going to pretend like we've done this every year for a decade. And now I'm here for, you know, whatever it is. Uh, What's a movie I really did? Life. Ryan Reynolds, tell me about life. Your new science picture here. You know, it's just, I try to do that as opposed to being a fanboy. So that's, uh, if anybody out there finds themselves uh, about to interview a celebrity, <laughs> keep it short and sweet. If you're doing it for a company, keep them happy and just act like your old friends. I would always be worried about, and it's not, I would be worried about being a fanboy. But not in the sense that I would nerd out about being a celebrity. Yeah. I would, a lot of my conversations get really nerdy. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for instance, my friends have a uh, podcast. 
I don't know if they still have a podcast. I'd have to check on that. Facebook's weird. They don't let you know about new notifications <laughs> and whatnot. But um, they interviewed a bunch of people. And the question was, what's your favorite super, what, what superpower would you want? And I was watching the video. And a lot of people gave really easy answers that every normal person would be able to understand. Someone's like, oh, I would want to fly. Someone, I want super speed. Someone, I want invisibility. And I'm like, uh, do power rings count? And they're like, sure. I'm like, cool. I want the yellow lantern ring because I would, and I went on this whole rant about yellow lanterns and how I would love to do that. And yeah. I'm like, you know, most people aren't going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> See, but to me, that that's okay. That's where the good stuff is, you know? That's what I thought, but <laughs> I, I I would be worried about that to keep it down to a wider audience. So you said, you said they would keep you to the uh, comic book stuff. I'm like, cool, cool. Um, and I would ask questions of like, let's say, let's say I'm meeting Robert Patterson. And I'm asking him questions about Batman. I'm like, so <laughs> in issue, blah blah blah. Um, yeah, yeah. You ever gonna fight that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so every now and then you'd be surprised. Those guys will surprise you. Yeah, it depends on how much of a fan they are too, right? Like, who surprised me? I know I had at least one person surprise me. It was like, I have to say, Zach Efron was pretty nice. Um, he did not want to talk about his body at all. You could see him like melt when I mentioned the body. So I was like, no body stuff? Okay, let's pivot. And I started talking about other stuff. Um, like, I started talking about Disney. I started talking about Disney, and then he like lit up and like, he likes actual Disneyland and going to the parks and all that stuff. And I was like, whew, okay, great. Don't talk about the main thing that everybody's talking about, which is your body. Okay, got it. And now, like, I don't want to ever touch male or female how anybody looks for the role. I don't want to mention it. <laughs> A weird conversation to have. Yeah, yeah. Um. Speaking of weird, uh, I when you said that who's your on screen, who's your yeah on screen bay, yeah, even saying it right because like I found out a long time ago that when it comes to slang, it sounds dumb coming from me. <laughs> so I definitely would not like you said you had to put up a setup so that you can ask that question in a comfortable, natural, organic way. Right. I don't think there is any kind of setup that I would be able to do to be able to ask that question and not sound like an old man asking about the Pokemons. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if I was successful doing that, uh, making that sound cool. It's hard. It was just all around lame. And when I asked, I asked Hannibal Burris, so I had to ask all of them. I remember he just straight up like laughed, like, like laughed kind of at me, more so at me, and I was laughing too because it was like, yeah, I deserve this. <laughs> I deserve that. Who says that? <laughs> you you definitely deserved it. <laughs> yeah, I get that. <laughs> I know. I know. I tried once at like some kind of show I was doing where uh, a kid asked me to draw something, and I was like, oh, cool. And I they they asked me. I don't even want to describe what they asked me because it sounds stupid. But I was just like, I used yeet in a sentence, and I was like. Nope, I'm not gonna do that again. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I'll I'll leave that. I'll, I'll leave that alone. I, you know, I quick quick tangent. I um I performed for these. I'm in this group called Story Pirates, and you perform for like little kids, right? At their schools, you take all various students from all over the country write stories, and the com that company that I perform with, Story Pirates, takes those stories and then performs them in front of at like assemblies in front of kids. And um, so I have all these uh, kindergartners out there. And so me and my group were like, if the show is over and we're kind of like saying, thank you for coming and all this stuff. And we're doing all these dances, we're doing the floss and all this stuff. And when I'm doing a dab, I keep like hitting dabs really hard, right? This is a few years ago. This kindergartner um, yells out, and I kid you not, kindergartner is like, the dab is dead. I thought that was so funny. Like, and just made me feel old. It made it like made me laugh. I was like, all right, but you know what? I have not dabbed since. 
<laughs> like, I feel like if a kindergartner is telling you that a trend is dead, you got to stop doing that immediately. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I think that's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that's, that's the, more people need to talk about that commandment, you know? <clears throat> I think it's, I think it's right below uh, honor parents. Uh, <laughs> listen to kindergartners with trends. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. If I'm telling you, I mean, that's a solid rule to live by. If you've got a kindergartner telling you that something's done, it's that means it's probably been done for a minute. <laughs> when I was doing drawings at events, I did do a lot of characters doing the dab or dabbing, yeah. and. I remember when someone like someone said, "Can you draw uh, so and so dabbing?" And I was like, "Sure, let me just uh, consult Google to find out what the fuck a dab is." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, "Oh, yeah, okay, Hang do on. it without." I'll do it without like telling you so that I don't seem old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it took me a second to catch on to dabbing. I was like, "Huh? Oh, it's a dance." Okay. All right. <laughs> is it a dance? I thought it was just a pose. Oh, I think it's cat. It is just a pose, but I think they categorize it as a dance. That's weird. Yeah. And like, I, po I post a photo of me pointing at my booster shot, and my yeah. friend commented, "He's like, is that the new sheesh? The new sheesh pose?" And I was like, "The, the what?" And I went oh, to yeah, Google. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I I knew sheesh. As in sheesh, but I didn't know as a pose. I'm like, ah, I need a. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Is this this is the thing? There's a sheesh pose of like pointing to your shoulders. No, I was just doing this mm -hmm. because I took the. Hold on a sec. Low power mode. We can edit that out in the when we post it. Um, I just I took a photo point on my booster because I like showing the I like showing the events of the vaccine because when I get older. I like to be able to consult uh, that time and see the photos and the evolution of that period of my life. I right. just did that. And I guess everyone else is also doing it, which I'm cool with. I think that that's better than showing your uh, vaccination card with all of your information on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny, yeah. But he brought that up in the new sheesh pose and I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> wow, you just taught me something too now. Did I? Yeah. I'm gonna I mean now it's like I'm now I'm assuming that it's like a Gen Z uh, postmodern uh, commentary on where selfies are going. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> because what if what if just subliminally subliminally uh, just what what if I did not know that I was copying a trend? And it's just because it's in my feed that yeah. I just you know, I absorb it. And someone s tells me that there's actually a term for it. That is weird. It's weird. I mean, that's that's the age we are now, man. We don't we're not the trendsetters. We now have to be told what the trends are. Well, because like, <laughs> I told I, I love telling people about this dance, the Batuzi. Yeah, yeah. Why it's called the Batuzi. I don't even know if I know that. Uh, Adam West invented it. Did he really? Yeah, as Batman <laughs> in the the sixties. Yeah, that like yeah. Yeah. Doo -doo, doo -doo, yeah. Yeah, it's the Bat Tuzi, and uh, I I remember when I showed that to when I told that to my friend, we were in like we were in a dance at Comic Con, and he was dressed as Batman. And I was like, hey, do you know the dance for Pulp Fiction? He's like, yeah. I'm like this one? He's like, yeah. Do that. And he's like, why? I'm like, just do it. People will love it. <laughs> yeah. And he did it, and I just, uh, I love telling people that story because it's just uh, really strange that such a silly show made this dance that we all know, but we might not know the name of it. Yeah, we know it from, yeah, from Pulp Fiction. That's so wild. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into improv or acting? Oh, uh, don't do it. Uh, no. <laughs> um, what advice? That is so interesting. You know, I think... Uh, anybody who wants to do it, uh, knock yourself out, but be mindful of what you're, uh, why you want to do it, I think, you know, 
I think that anybody can do improv um, and everybody should take like a 101 class. It, it'll break you out of your shell, like we were talking about earlier, helps you with, in conversation with strangers, even people that you know. And I think that those skills are invaluable. Um, but when you get into like, and the game is, is changed now and it's kind of reforming uh, because of COVID and pandemic and whatnot. But <clears throat> there was a time where each, there was like these schools of improv in LA and there and other various places in, around the uh, country, Chicago, New York, but there's these schools and people would pay, you know, two grand to go through the schooling of these schools, the classes and whatnot. And then they'd come out uh, two grand uh, less than their bank account and not much skills to show for it. And they're kind of like, well, where do I go? Am I on SNL now? Or do I do this? Like, am I on a team? Like, and the, uh, the path isn't quite clear. And I think if you're going to do improv or sketch or any of that stuff, uh, do it because you love it and not because it's like some direct path to stardom. Um, <clears throat> because I've seen people come out and do the improv scene and then get really bitter because it didn't give them what they wanted. And I was like, well, I think that is a case of, uh, you know, mixed expectations. <laughs> uh, so that's what I would say, you know what I mean? Because it is um, like many kind of uh, niche markets. It's a, it's a small community. It's, it's a smaller community than it seems. And um, if you love it, you'll find other people who really love it. But if it's not for you, I think that's cool. And that's something you can be honest about. You know, I feel like sometimes people feel pressure, especially a lot of actors that I've run into, actors who are not comedians or funny people. They're like, yeah, I'm going to like, do some improv because like their agent told them to, or they're trying to be more funny, but it comes from this weird place. And it's like, ah, eh, get out of here. You're like making the scene less pure, you know, come in and tackle it. Don't expect stardom from it. And I think that you'll be in a good place, you know? <laughs> <laughs>